Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Welcome back to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And Paul. Yes, sir. I've been listening to some Star Trek podcasts. What? I know. It's crazy, right? Why would you do such a thing? Well, you know, Gates McFadden has her own Star Trek podcast. In fact, she's in what? the second season of Gates McFadden Investigates Who Do You Think You Are? It's like long title. <laughs> I was about to say, that is an awfully long title. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, this season, she started off in, uh, interviewing uh, William Shatner. Okay. And I have to say, her, if you, you, you would not know it unless you had listened to the earlier season of her interviews. But listening to her interview of Bill Shatner, you could tell her intense dislike of William Shatner. Oh. Uh, because I mean, she was just, you could just tell she was just reading the questions off her cards. It wasn't a conversation. Whereas in the second episode of the season, she interviews Tawny Newsom. This last week she interviewed, uh, um, Kate Mulgrew. Hmm. And I mean, they are deeply conversational exchanges with both Tawny Newsome and Kate Mulgrew and same with you know, the actors that she interviewed the previous season but her interview with William Shatner I mean you could just tell oh she doesn't like him at all mm-hmm. at all <laughs> the only reason you know that the only reason that she interviewed him was because it would you know boost her listens for the first uh, for the first episode but boy it was I was just like yikes mm. this is uh, this is no bueno, but I got to tell you, her interview with Tawny Newsom was fantastic. Her interview with Kate Mulgrew, also fantastic. I just, I, I dug uh, both of them quite a bit, even though um, one of the things that I find amusing about uh, Gates McFadden is, you know, it's an interview of this, you know, person on her podcast, usually Star Trek, Star Trek related, and <laughs> She, it is a lot about her in the interviews, in addition to what she's learning from the the person that she interviews. But, you know, you, you get to hear her tell a lot of her stories, which, you know, is nice. But at some point you're like, OK, I've kind of heard a lot about you in this interview. Um, really was kind of interested in, you know, Kate Mulgrew. But, uh, you know, the one who doesn't have a podcast. But I, I got to tell you, I, I really recommend them. I I, uh, I, I very much enjoyed uh, both of those interviews. Okay. Not so much the Bill Shatner interview. And then uh, I listened to um, a podcast called the Inglorious Trexperts. <laughs> okay. And these are these are guys who are all in the industry, um, most of whom, uh, two of which are professional television writers, and one of which uh, is a. Uh, 
design consultant for film and TV, uh, Darren Doctorman, who worked on the uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, 4K upgrade uh, and worked closely with Robert Wise in the original director's cut. So uh, these guys all have their have their their chops and they take it from a, a a a film and television professional point of view. Um, and one of the guys, Mark A. Altman, who, you know, is a you know television producer, he is the guy who wrote the 50-year mission. Uh, okay. You know, the oral history of Star Trek all the way from beginning through uh, the first season of Discovery. And he, you know, is always very you know, he, he, he likes to get into the the archives, you know, do the research and you know, really bring people to the conversations that you don't typically get to hear talk about Star Trek. And in this last week's episode, they had and I can't remember the guy's name, but one of the guys who was writing for the old uh, Paramount Marvel Comics uh brand of Star Trek books, you know, back the old early voyages, Starfleet Academy, you know, that whole host of like five different Star Trek titles that they had for like a brief minute uh, in the 90s. Uh, They had him on just talking about his work because he wrote the Untold Voyages. Really good. I I just, I, I, you never get to hear that kind of detail about that era of Star Trek comics. And I just, I was fascinated by it. So anyway, you know, Hmm. if you're, you know, if you're you're looking for a Star Trek podcast, (laughs) listen to this one. (laughs) But if you you have extra time. Yeah. After you've listened to our entire back catalog and you need something else while you're waiting for the next episode to drop, Mm -hmm. there are two Mm -hmm. recommendations for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I don't know that anyone would leave our podcast feeling like, hmm. I need more of that. <laughs> I, I, I need more of that in my life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. But if, if McFadden wants to show up on our show, I mean, we, we'll be glad to have her. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can investigate. Yeah, we Kate could. McFadden. That's right. That's right. Okay. But, uh, you know, there was some news this week, Paul. Oh, the news. Yes, there was news this week about, uh, what is it, season four? Season four. Cinco. Is it five? It's five. Season five of Discovery will be the last season of Discovery. Yes. So, yeah, Discovery season five, the final season, 2024. So we will have no disco this year. Yeah. And you know it's probably going to have a break in the middle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it'll be middle of, of 2024, I think, before we see the end of Star Trek Discovery. It's a long time to go with that. I'd I, I prefer they just, just release it. Like, don't finish the special effects. Just, yeah. <laughs> just, My understanding just wrap is it up. it's been shot for a while. Yeah. And so, for I mean, I think that it was done before the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe they, they came back for some, you know, some reshots. But that uh, seems an awfully long time to go. Now, I know that, you know, Picard Season 3 has been done for a while as well. They were just waiting to... You know, get, give some space between it and Strange New Worlds, but it seems a long time to wait to then say this is the last season. Yeah, because we have Picard, which will wrap up here in about six weeks. Uh, about right, yeah. Because this is episode three that four. we're talking about, right? No, four. 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 And so episode there are four. ten episodes this season. Ten episodes. So, yeah. so we have six more. We've got another season of Lower Decks at some point this year and Strange New Worlds. Right. And then Disco, the final season in 2024. Conti- mm-hmm. Well, continuing what used to be that, no, the trend was seven years, right? Of Star Trek Correct. TV shows? Yes. 
until Enterprise. Until streaming. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Until Enterprise and then streaming. And then streaming. Yeah. But, you know, this is, you know, we got we got a five season discovery. It lasted longer than Enterprise. Well, and so here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fine if they didn't come back on Disco. To oh, be, yeah. To be, now that we've got actual good Star Trek. Like, now um, I'm kind of sad that I actually have to watch it because I'm on a Star Trek podcast. Like, if I, if I wasn't, I'd probably be okay skipping out on it or maybe right. binge watching it, you know, um, one rainy Saturday just to just to knock it out. But it that last season, those the, honestly, it, other than season two, Disco has been a very rough journey for me. I agree. I agree. It ha, it it has been uh, been a, a a big slog, and you know, particularly seasons three and four. Um, you know, it was just diminishing returns each mm-hmm. time. I feel like I appreciated Disco uh, more because it was what we had, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a great big absence of, of Star Trek. And I, I just was clinging on to that life raft of Star Trek. But now I've got me some strange new worlds. I got me some Picard. Um, it looks like there may be something after Picard with Terry Metalis, you know. And so I'm like, I don't need this thing anymore. You know, I, I yeah. don't need to take substandard Star Trek when, you know, uh, I think I feel like Strange New Worlds had a really strong first season with the exception of one episode. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, Picard is is doing some some really righteous things here in its last season. And maybe Disco will redeem itself in that last season. Maybe, maybe there will be something there that we go, oh, man, I wish they'd done that all along. You know? Yeah, because that's how we felt about Picard, right? Right, right. Um, you know, I... I one of the things I'll say about Disco, and we we have hated on Disco on this show for for quite a while, mm-hmm. you know, especially watching the most recent season of Picard. To your point, now it's like, damn it, why couldn't we get that all along? Like, if if Strange New Worlds had been the Star Trek we'd gotten from mm-hmm. the very beginning on the streaming service, we'd have very little to complain about. It would, right. it's not a home run. No, yeah, there like, are problems with it. All right, you know, this is good. I'm glad Star Trek is back. This feels like Star Trek. It's not the best Star Trek I've ever seen, but it's it's good. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, but but Disco is not, right? Disco is too divisive, um, you know, too serious, too trauma-filled. Well, you know, um, think for, about that first season, right? Mm-hmm. If Disco had come back and had not so radically changed the Klingons... Right. If they had if they had kept what we knew about the Klingons, not strayed so wildly from the design, I think uh, season one would be more widely regarded as a, as a success. Um, I I because I, that's the thing that just really pulls me out of disco in that first season is just how stupid the Klingons look. Um, For me, I think with, the, with, with my struggle with disco. From the very beginning, and I, I actually saw an article about this the other day. Now, now, Aaron, I have I have friends who are very much into, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into politics here, but the, you know, they're they're anti woke, right? They're mm-hmm. you know they're anti cancel culture, anti woke, and so they'll send me articles, and it's usually like this movie sucks because it's a female lead character. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. So you've got some pretty toxic friends, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Some toxic friends, but I will say one of the things that they, they every once in a while a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got an article the other day and it's like it's from Giant Freaking Robot, which is one of those fake news websites. 
Um, but the title of it is Star Trek Discovery Never Worked, and it's because of one key reason. And actually, this article resonated with me because it basically says that Star Trek Discovery never really worked because it was trying too hard to be the anti-Star Trek. It was trying too hard to be dark and profanity and violent. It was trying too hard to introduce a formula that was not Star Trek. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I get that. You know, because when, when when Disco worked, which was season two for me, was when it felt like a Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. But when it was sex and you had double Klingon penis and you had Klingon boobs and you have F-bombs, like then you're then you're producing a show that's not Star Trek. It's Star Trek in name only. And, you know, then, then you're just giving me Battlestar Galactica. But, um, you know, that, I, I think for me, that's that's been my struggle with Disco from the beginning is, you know, when you announce that Star Trek is coming back. I want to feel like I'm watching Star Trek because that's what I'm looking forward to, right? It's like when you go to your favorite restaurant and, you know, the cook decides to serve the chicken parmesan a different way than he always does. It's like, but I came here for the chicken parmesan in the way I always like it. Right. Um, and that's how disco feels to me. It's, 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 it's cooking something that I like, but it cooking it differently than the way I like it. But they're fucking it up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I I can't disagree with you. I mean, I feel like I feel like the 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 decision about Discovery was, you know, let's let's tell a Star Trek story, but let's tell a fucked up Star Trek story. You know, mm-hmm. and, and not to be negative, but you know, let's let's turn it on its ear. Let's not follow the captain. Let's follow someone who is not the captain, right? Yeah. Let's introduce this random strange sister of of Spock that's never been mentioned before, right. and then. You know, write ourselves into a corner so that we just have to send her 900 years in the future, and Spock just never talks about her in his 100 plus years of life. I would be very interested to have seen the treatment that Brian Fuller had for the mm-hmm. show. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, because Brian Fuller was an experienced Star Trek veteran, you know, having worked on Voyager. Um, I, I, and he left very early on uh, in that development. While he still gets a created by credit, he did not have his hands all over that show, uh, you know, when it went into production. So I, I'd be really curious to know what what, what his uh, thoughts were and what his dr- vision was for the show. I mean, we know his vision was to have this character, Michael Burnham, not be the captain, right? Mm-hmm. Follow follow the lieutenant or follow the commander through her career journey, kind of like a lower decks, you know, yeah. hearkening back to that next generation episode. But I think the the I think. There is a problem when you've got a bunch of people in the room who don't write, who don't have Star Trek credits, who don't understand or have a passion for Star Trek. Because, you know, Star Trek is a place. Star Trek is a setting. And if you are not familiar and engrossed with that setting, you're not going to have a successful run in the setting. Um, It's kind of like, you know... Nobody chastises Dave Filoni over in the Star Wars universe for being such a big fucking Star Wars fan. In fact, they embrace that. Yeah. And Star Trek tends to lean away from that a lot of times. They don't want the Star Trek fan, you know, in the room. They don't want the Star Trek fan being a writer on the show. Um, and, and I think that's a lot of where our problem is because I feel like Discovery at its heart is embarrassed by the fact that it's a Star Trek show. Yeah. Um, and so they don't throw their arms around some things and they ignore things. Um, I, it, the, the swearing in Star Trek, 
bothers me when you, you know, hear somebody say fuck in the engineering room, you know, um, because it's not necessary, you know, I mean, they say fuck because they can say fuck as opposed to, well, you know, we've never heard that on the show before. And yeah, there's, you know, broadcasts, you know, standards and practices, uh, on those earlier series, but why do you need it? Right. Uh, I can see the, the need for some violence. I can see the need for, uh, you know, some, some hot, sexy scenes, but you know, those hot, sexy scenes in Enterprise, you know, what like with the uh, the uh, decontamination uh, oil rubdowns, you know, semi-nude oil rubdowns, those didn't age well. No. And I think you got to look at that and go and you know ask yourself, how is this going to age? How are we going to look, you know, in ten years? In five years, you know, this is a, a brand that has stood the test of time for almost 60 years. Yeah. Why do you think you need to screw with the core concepts? I get the desire of like, you know, what if, what if I got it? What if Star Trek was broken? Right. What yep. if, you know, the captain dies and, you know, the commander, you know, the first officer is kind of responsible for it. Let's tell that story. I get that. And I think Star Trek is a big sandbox. I think you can tell all kinds of stories in Star Trek. And I want them to tell all kinds of stories in Star Trek. But when you are on the Star Trek ship, when you're in a Starfleet vessel, there's a way Starfleet vessels are run. And it bugs the living shit out of me that we forget that we're in a military organization. Yeah. You know? Uh the way people, you know, talk to and regard the captain, the way the captain, in, particularly in Discovery, uh, you know, doesn't hold herself to a higher standard. I find that deeply troubling. Uh, and I think that's, that says something about our, the current generation's relationship to authority figures, right? You know, I mean, I, I think there's a, re, a rebellion thing going on there. It's almost like, you know, we're writing for teenagers. Um, because, you know, teenagers are rebellious. I, but I, I find it shocking, you know, how people talk to the captains and how the captain mm-hmm. won't make a fucking decision. Because we see that in Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Captain Pike sometimes will not make a fucking decision. I'm like, hey, buddy, it's your job. <laughs> but they do, you know, I, I will give this to Strange New Worlds is they acknowledge that. They acknowledge Captain Pike's um, indecision mm-hmm. in uh, – in the in the season finale, and, and hopefully that'll lend itself to different stories in season two. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think in the future, you know, when we look back at Star Trek Discovery, um, the one thing that I will give Star Trek Discovery, in, you know, in addition to the fact that it gave us Strange New Worlds, um, it brought back Star Trek in, in mm-hmm. general. Um, it, I think for me, the thing it'll most be remembered for is, you know, Star Trek has always been a great avenue for representation even from the very beginning so you know i i referenced my my you know my toxic friend with his uh <laughs> you know anti-woke articles and i'm like okay you know star trek, star trek has been woke since the beginning and that's, that's right. good that's that's why star trek endures is you know representation it's 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 not all white right you know it, and and i think one of the things that that modern star trek that discovery specifically has given us in the same way star trek gave us representation of all races i think disco has given us representation in a modern way of lgbtq 
mm-hmm. and all shapes, all races and sizes of people. Not everyone on there is a model, you know, yeah. not everyone. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of body positive stuff going yeah. on with uh, Disco- discovery. And that's, you know, I'm, I feel positive about that, you know, despite the fact that I have issues with the stories and, mm-hmm. you know, the, specifically, you know, the, 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 the captains and, you know, how, how they conduct themselves on a Starfleet ship. And on top of it, it just, it's, it sucks. But, um, you know, it's well produced and it, it really, you know, finds a way to to be representative of today's modern society. Um, so, you know, I'll give it that. But, it, you know, on the flip side of that, I'm also I'm, I'm ready for it to wrap up. Yeah. You know, I, I'm ready to it, it, it's obligation television for me. It's not yeah. enjoyable television anymore. Well, you know, the sad thing is, is, you know, clearly they didn't realize that this was their last season mm-hmm. when, they, yeah. when they shot. And so that tells me that we're probably not going to get a Captain Lorca story because, you know, that we were we were thinking that there was an opportunity for them to tell a prime universe Captain Lorca story because, you know, the mirror universe guy died. We saw him drop yeah. into that star or whatever. But, uh, you know, it, it would have been nice to see a return of, you know, friendly prime universe uh, Lorca. I, yeah. I, and, you know, the the thing that I've got to say about the successes of Discovery is I would say that Michael Burnham as a character concept and certainly as played by uh, the actress, you know, Sonequa Martin-Green, I love her. You know, I don't love everything she does and I certainly don't love every story and every season, but I really like Michael Burnham. I don't. So I, I think I, that's, that, that, yeah, that, that's, I, that's, you know, for me, that that's, that's a struggle I have with the show is she is not my favorite character on the show. And I she's find not my her, favorite character on the show either, but I do like her. Um, and when she, but when she is written well, I really dig her. She's um, a great actress, I find, but yeah, I just, you know, the, the, I, I, I don't appreciate her as a captain. I think Sonequa Martin-Green's got a terrific amount of charisma. Uh, but what there's a whole, there, there is a lot that I dislike about the character and there are certain episodes where I'm just rolling my eyes. But what the show has been tremendously successful at is bringing supporting characters and guest characters that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Saru. I mm-hmm. think Saru is a dynamite, crackerjack, Star Trek kind of character. He is definitely uh, is that, you know, character out of place. You know, he is like a Spock. He is like a Data um, you know, he is a person trying to find his way in the world that, you know, isn't particularly accepting of him. And I like that. I like that, the, the character of Saru. I'm also a big fan of Captain Lorca. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that character really breathed new life into the show. Um, you know, it, it just, I, I, just, I thought the scenes were him were electric and a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, the fact that, you know, they brought in Captain Pike and uh, the crew uh, and his crew, you know, number one and, and Spock. You know, I, I, I know they brought him in as a gimmick. I don't think they ever had any idea how successful those characters would be. You know, I think oh, they, yeah. were, they were stunned. And that's clear because they didn't immediately come back and come out and go, well, we're, you know, we're launching this other show. I mean, they it took Paramount a while to get behind that. Um those are things that I love. Now, there are, there's a whole host of things I can't 
understand about the show. But I am choosing to focus on the things that, that I love about Discovery and that I will be forever thankful for. If we didn't have Discovery, we would not have Strange New Worlds. Agreed. And, and Strange New Worlds is, you know, one of my favorite things. I, I love that show. Yeah. So, you know, and, and quite frankly, if with if it wasn't for Discovery, we wouldn't even have Picard, right? We'd have nothing. Right. Discovery right. launched Paramount+. Plus. A we bold wouldn't new have era of Star Trek. We wouldn't yeah. have 1883. We wouldn't have Jellystone with Aaron and Polly. That's right. We'd That's have right. none of it. None of none it. None of it. None of it. Not a, you, you know what we should have? Not a goddamn thing. Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Paul. Yes, sir. Do you want to talk about a no-win scenario? <laughs> like the final season of Discovery? <laughs> no, we're going to talk about episode four of Star Trek Picard, season three, no-win scenario. Yeah, it's your very own little Kobayashi Maru. Yes, yes. And I, I, I will say, spoiler warnings, mm-hmm. No Win Scenario may be my favorite episode of modern Star Trek. I since coming that. back on, on stream. So, you know, Disco, low, eh, I don't know. Lower Decks is kind of its own thing because Lower Decks is just perfect in every way. That's true. Um, you take Lower Decks out of the equation, this is probably my favorite live action. There we go. Favorite live action episode of Star Trek since coming back. I, uh, it, it is awfully good, and I am surprised at how much I enjoy it, and yet there is no Worf in this episode. But you know what? That also means there's no Raffi. That's so, true. So, That's true. So I was like, oh, you know, the episode ended. I'm like, huh, there was no Raffi in that episode. Yeah. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. <laughs> so I have a complaint about this episode, though, because early on, I mean, like, we hadn't been, we weren't. We weren't 10 minutes into the show, and I had problem solved this shit. And it's the same solution that the crew comes up with about 40 minutes later. Um, they have no power. They're tumbling towards the uh, gravitic core of this nebula. Bad things are going to happen. They're going to run out of power in a couple of hours, and then they will all suffocate before the ship is crushed under uh, the, the gravity of this thing. And but there are these you know bioelectric flares, mm-hmm. uh, you know these this wave of radiation and power emanating from the core, blasting the ship. And I'm like, well, why don't you figure out a way to collect that energy and you know use that to jumpstart your ship? I, and you know Beverly is down in sick bay and she's counting it off. She's already figured out a pattern to this shit. And I'm like, you know, somebody could talk to somebody. Y'all could figure this out, and it takes them almost to the end of the episode to figure that out, Paul. I just got to say, I, I'm like, when I figured it out, maybe the characters ought to be a little bit quicker. Yeah. I don't even have a degree in, you know, uh, warp space dynamics. I didn't go to Starfleet Academy. I am not a member of the Starfleet Corps of Engineers, and I figured this out. Well, you know. <laughs> Not to belabor a point, Aaron, (laughs) but I did tell everyone that I have a theme this year. And Uh yes, this was basically a way to extend a problem for for 53 minutes, something that probably could have easily been resolved in in five. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I mean, it – it, the problem itself wasn't, you know, it, it's it's almost a MacGuffin in nature, right? It, it has nothing other than, to my point, delaying the inevitable. Uh, it, well, what it really does is it puts the, the cast in a situation where there there are no distractions, they're dead in the water, and they need to have their their personal breakthroughs. Right. Uh, you know, they they need to connect in order to to resolve the situation because Riker, you know, Riker is dealing with. 
the death of his son, right? Um, Which I don't understand. That's the thing that sent him back into space to to run around with Jean Luc. He seen, you know, his son had been dead for a while when we saw him in season one in the episode Nepenthe, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, he seems well adjusted then. Deanna seemed well adjusted. Baby girl seemed well adjusted. You know, they they had clearly had a loss. But they were moving on. I don't understand, and the show isn't clear on why this resurfaced. It was almost like his son just died. Yeah, agreed. Because they, they you know, in, to your point, in the earlier seasons, they, they, they did feel, but, you know, friends come over. You know, if, if you and your wife are having an argument right before you're entertaining, they don't yeah. realize you're having an argument. You know, because they come and you put on the happy face, and then, you know, as soon as they leave, you're like, hmm. You know, but... uh. But I, I feel like maybe that maybe that's what what happened. You know, they they put on a happy face because they were entertaining, and there there was a distraction there. I, I I can see that. I wish there had been some dialogue to support your theory. Agreed. Agreed. Um, it, you know, it's just like the, the, the an example of them putting some dialogue in to explain something. Uh, Jack and Jean Luc wander into the holodeck and you know turn on a program with Guinan's bar, and I'm like, okay. Everybody just said a moment ago there is no fucking power on this ship. That they've got they got just enough. To I keep thought the, the light. same thing, and I will tell you, it's like they knew exactly. They, they had like, to have known. Because all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, it runs on its own separate power source for moments like this. Like they they knew yeah. and they yeah. acknowledged it. And you know, in my head, I'm like, but why aren't they siphoning that, that power? Siphon that power and get out of there. <laughs> Because, you know, you're running that scenario, that holiday. Yeah. That's got to be a lot of power. All that's you a lot of power. need is a little bit of juice to get out of there yeah. um, and, and get a communication out to Starfleet to come pick you up. That's all you need. Yeah. Um, you know, just a little jump start. But, no, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> and they knew it, Aaron. They knew yeah, oh, yeah, you, you know they did. Yeah. And but, but I appreciated the dialogue where I go, okay. I'm going to let this one go. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny to me because it's like, why do you need a holodeck bar? Like, there's not there's not a 10 forward in in the Titans massive ship. They're, they don't have, like, a bar to go sit at. And, I mean, regardless, that, that's a, you know, a minor quibble. But I will say, you know, the, the moments that were in that holodeck bar, um, particularly the one with Captain Shaw. Oh, my God. You know, we we finally get the reveal of why Shaw's such an asshole to Jean-Luc and uh, Riker. And that's because he also was there at the Battle of Wolf, Wolf 359. Keep wanting to call it Wolf 359. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just like Ben Sisko, he was there at Wolf 359. And just like Ben Sisko, he suffered horrible losses. And he describes this scenario where there are 50 of his uh, crew colleagues... And there's only 10 seats in this life pod. And his lieutenant ordered the 10 people into the life pod, him being number 10. And he has had to live with that survivor's guilt, you know, all the mm-hmm. all these years since. You know, why was I worthy? I was just a lowly grease monkey, right? You know, mm-hmm. I was just an engineer. Why Why did I live and, and not that person over there? Uh you know what? I understand why he's a dick to Jean-Luc now. <laughs> you know, and I will say, out of everything that was stated in that scene, the one that resonated with me uh-huh. was that when Picard was assimilated, mm-hmm. you know, Shaw acknowledges when Picard was assimilated, he was the Borg that was so evil 
Yeah. That they actually gave him a name. That's right. So yeah. scary, so monstrous, they gave him a name. Yeah. You know, because yeah. none of them have names, right? You know, right. seven of nine, you know, they, 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 they are not given names. You know, they're given numbers or the queen or something like that, you know, but Locutus had a name. Yeah. And I thought that that acknowledgement was actually really well done. Yeah. And, you know, it explains his his uh, harshness with seven of nine. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you're going to go by your your human name because, you know, you Borgs are awful. Uh, I I. So, you know, I have I of the people that I know who have seen the first six episodes and they've all talked about how they love Shaw. This is that moment, right? Yep. Where you're like, oh, I get it now. I get it. And, you know, I loved how helpful he was in this episode. Um, I, you know, I just I re- he really had a good turn in this episode. And it's amazing to me that they were able to, you know, make me feel empathy for a character that I did not like in the first three yeah. episodes. You know, no, they, uh, they, they, they did a damn good job of really introducing uh, humanity to Shaw and, yeah. you know, really making him a well-rounded character. Like yeah. he's he's an asshole with a reason. Um, you know, and, and I, with a motivation, you know, with a purpose. And I, I thought it was I, I thought it was a great scene. It, it, Shaw was the standout of this episode because he, to your point, you know, in addition to that moment, he then turns it around and has, you know, a moment with with seven yeah. later on in the episode where they're trying to one, get the ship up and running, but two, trap the uh, the shapeshifter, mm-hmm. which, you know, ends up just killing the shapeshifter. So we're no closer to understanding Go ahead. Oh, no, you You're going to talk about Vatic, aren't you? I was going to talk about Vatic. Yeah, her and her hand. Yeah, you know what? So, <laughs> so a couple of things. The knife that Vatic was holding uh-huh. seemed awfully reminiscent of the knife uh, in Star Trek Nemesis. That uh, what's that character's name? The 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 villain. Oh, Shinzon. Shinzon. Yeah. If you look at the poster for Star Trek Nemesis, Shinzon is holding a knife, and that knife looks almost the exact same. As the knife that Vatic is, is, you know, cuts herself with in this episode. And, you know, I'm not saying Shinzon, I'm, I'm not saying Tom Hardy is the villain of the season, though that would certainly be a surprise. But, you know, perhaps, perhaps Romulans have something to do with this. Mm, I don't know. But, you know, she didn't just cut her hand, she cut her hand off. Yes. You know, and it, I mean, and, I gather from what we see that Vatic also is a shapeshifter. Yeah. Because, you know, her hand goes all gooey and then transforms itself into a hovering communication device, right? You know, because she's able to talk to somebody, her order giver. Is that a thing we've seen before? Because it felt like, okay, that that felt very Star Wars-y to me. It did. It felt very out of place for Star Trek. Yeah. But... I was fascinated by how her demeanor changed and how submissive she was. And it seemed like it was an act, right? You know, she was very submissive to the person that she, from whom she was receiving her mission. And then as soon as that was off, she was back to being crazy Vatic and seemed to be thrilled that they were having to eject the, you know, uh, forget what they call that thing, the quantum portal uh, gun thing that they had picked up. Um, yeah. and, and so I was like, I, what is going on here? I'm still just got lots of questions about Vatic, but apparently a shapeshifter. Yeah. And can we talk, you know, back in the day when we had uh, much lower budget, uh, CG in deep space nine, you know, the, the, uh, changelings were all sort of flowy gold, yeah. you know, sort of soup. The, the matter that they render into between forms 
is gross. <laughs> the residue. I mean, yeah, residue. <laughs> 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 it is just nasty. It's like there's there's blood in it, and it's just boy, it is uh, it is unpleasant. Looking. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Like you know, you think about the episodes when uh, Odo and Kira were hooking up. And, you know, she's got like this, you know, she's draped in a blanket of, of warm, glowy gold goo that is Odo, right? I don't think I'd, I'd want to be, you know, draped in this stuff, the residue. <laughs> it is just so nasty. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like snot. I mean, it's what it looks like. It's like, you know, when you, when you've had a little bit of a, a bloody nose and you, you know, that stuff that's in your, in your, you know, in your tissue after you've blown your nose, that's what it looks like. It is so gross. <laughs> it is so gross. It is. I mean, I, I just, you know, I can just see if we were reshooting, you know, Deep Space Nine now with these effects, I can just see Kira going, hold. <laughs> you know, um, the the biggest moment of the episode really comes near the end, uh, which is that it's a revelation that Jack did actually yeah. try to meet Jean-Luc Picard, or, uh, you know, a years, I think of five years ago prior to or yeah, something like that. Five this, years ago and showed up in Guinan's bar yep. and, uh, you know, asked him, hey, Admiral. Do you ever have a family of your own? And Picard's oh. like, I don't need no family. I got Starfleet. Family is for losers. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> family. That, that, you know, that, that's what Picard said. And, you know, yeah. uh, and that's why Jack, you know, supposedly never wanted to meet him. Yeah. That was a really good moment. I liked the callback. <laughs> Uh, I really liked almost all of the storytelling in this episode. I, I thought it was very well done. And again... I don't mean to be to beat a dead horse, but it demonstrates how successful you can be in telling these stories when you understand Star Trek. Yeah. You know, because this was in the zone. I mean, it was hardcore in the zone. It had everything that a Star Trek show needs to uh -huh. have. Yeah, well, up to and including pulling the the bad guys move against them. When yes. Riker <laughs> tractors an asteroid and throws it at the Shrike, you know, and knocks the Shrike off course. I mean, it's like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Riker. So good. So good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Paul and I, we were wrong. You know, we thought for sure LeVar would show up in, in this episode. You know, uh, Jordy would show up to rescue them, that it would be some sort sort of deus ex Jordy. Uh, but, you know, no. Uh, the, the, the crew on the ship saved themselves. Yep. Uh, which is exactly what a Starfleet crew sh should do. Right? right. Yeah. Fucking A. So, I, I am excited for next week. Uh, I am sad that we're going to be, you know, midpoint in the season. Um, I, I got to tell you, I feel like um, this cadence of four episodes works really well together. Uh, yeah, it agreed. gives us, you know, and yeah, I think we can cut the Rafi stuff out and you'll probably save half an hour to 40 minutes in it. But I really have enjoyed these episodes. They are so good. And I'm hoping that we continue on with this progression of having a four-episode story arc and, you know, that we're going to have three story arcs in this uh, series. Mm -hmm. um, I'm e eager to add the rest of the crew in because, I mean, God, we're going to hit the halfway point And, you know, we haven't seen uh, Jordy or uh, Deanna, and we've only seen very little of Worf. Yeah. So. And what about O'Brien? Give me some O'Brien. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, Citadel Fadil. You know, yes. we got to get uh, you know Doctor Brashear in here. 
That, that's all I want. That's right. Well, and and Quark. And Quark. Oh, I definitely and Garrick. Like Quark. We need Garrick. Andrew Robinson's got to be here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I like all yeah. of it. Make it happen. And Jake. Don't forget about Jake. <laughs> yeah, he's nice. He's, he was nice yeah. enough in real life. That's right. That's right. Got to get Jake in there. Yeah. <laughs> so. And just give us all of everything all at once. <laughs> <laughs> everything that I want all at once. Yes. <laughs> hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week, obviously, we have episode five of Star Trek Picard. But... More important, well, I shouldn't say more importantly, but just as important, it's actually a very big Star Trek comic week. Um, cause not only do we have the final issue of Star Trek Resurgence? Yes. Uh, we, are you, yeah, Resurgence. I'm asking you, yeah, cause you're the one reading that one. Yeah, the final issue book. of Star Trek Resurgence, um, the next issue of the adjectiveless Star Trek, you know, um, comic featuring Ben Sisko and his crew, but we also get the first issue of Star Trek Defiant. Um, you know, featuring Worf and you know Captain Worf and his crew, and I've been wait. very excited about this book. Same, I'm, I'm I'm very eager to read that. So we're gonna we're going to have uh, read those books next week, and we will talk about them right here when we talk about uh, Star Trek: Picard season three, episode five, and uh, you'll get to hear all about that right here. But hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. What do you think about the news about Discovery? What do you think about the no win scenario give us a call 682-800-3494 that number once again 682-800-3494 if we use your voicemail on the show you could win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise you can also hit us up on social media i o m geek on facebook instagram or twitter what a deal well hey paul i have enjoyed winning this scenario with you they say it was no win we won it everyone wins in this scenario aaron (laughs) (laughs) catch you guys next week bye star trek with aaron and polly is a production of iomgeek.com have a question or comment hailing frequencies are open at 682-800-3494 triple wrangling provided by try scullion trays no troublesome tribbles Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.